0: Welcome to the Backyard Buddhist Podcast, where we continually seek everyday enlightenment for the benefit of ourselves and all other beings. I'm Ron Powell McLean, and I'm here with my good buddy, Danny Hobart. Today, we're contemplating non-duality and what it means for our practical understanding. Hey, Dan, how's your day?
1: Ah. ah. Last time last episode it was emo and now I'm now I'm on the <laughs> I had
0: a, I had a friend um, years and years ago in Topeka who if you, when you asked him how he was doing he would just he usually had a drink in his hand and he would just say, "I'm just relaxing in the cool mud <laughs> <laughs> pigs just laying around in the cool mud. Like yeah. okay. That,
1: ah. uh, uh, sounds like sounds like uh, Lotus to me. That that brings to mind like thirty seven thousand you know hillbilly cliches, none of which I can <laughs> properly recite right now. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Your mouth opens and I hear banjos. Mm-hmm. We had it. We had a, We had a. That's right. We had a great weather day yesterday here, and it was sunny and uh, and warm, but not overly so, as you know. Even though you're on the other side of town, and <laughs> I got to tell you, even that respite and it was a little bit of a cool cool wind. Uh, I don't know. That kind of that was really nice, actually. It was nice to be outside for the first time in several weeks. It was beautiful. Well, I'm outside every day. Actually, Mm -hmm.
0: on Saturday, Saturday was the uh, mark of six weeks of meeting my step goals every day for six full weeks. So I was Mm. pretty stoked about that. So I walk at least three miles a day. So... I've just been out. Luckily, we haven't had, you know, major rains or anything like that that I haven't been able to, you know, just go around. But yep. fun fact for our listeners, although um, Dan and I are uh, on basically the other side of town, we're actually in two different states. <laughs> Whoopee. Whoopee. Dan's in Whoopee. Missouri. I'm in Kansas, which is... Missouri.
1: Missouri, as my mother well, says. uh uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. It might be nice to get away from some of our past.
0: Hmm.
1: Maybe we'll just stick with Missouri. That's probably uh. a little, <laughs> little more appropriate, actually, going forward. <laughs>
0: You know, I, I I keep trying to get away from my past, and <laughs> it keeps, yeah, good luck with it that. Keeps, it keeps coming up. You know, in fact, okay. uh, you know, I shared, I've shared with you that you know, I'm I'm writing a lot, so I'm you know, putting down some thoughts from my journey, and you know, we'll see where that goes. But I grew up, you know, a little Catholic kid. My my dad was Catholic, Roman Catholic, and my mom was Baptist. And at some point um, she converted to Catholicism, but I think it was after, um, even after my confirmation and my older brothers, we had our actually our confirmation into Catholicism at the same time, although we're almost two years apart. 18 months, I think, or 16 months, something like that. But, you know, I grew up a little Catholic kid, and I, you know, I liked religion. I liked having a basis of something to contemplate, something that was bigger than me. So, you know, as I've done with Buddhism, I certainly... Uh, embraced and studied what I could study as a kid of, you know, the Catholic religion and practice. I had a lot of questions, Um, but part of my journey also is that I was, you know, a closeted gay kid and glaringly so I would say when looking back because I was you know between two brothers that were you know both what I considered normal (laughs) so you know they were sports minded and a little more rough and tumble a little more rough and tumble little more Um, I think I still you know I still played I still you know I still got dirty I still you know but I also wanted to make forts and play house so and I was typically the mom I think
1: <laughs> <laughs> sure yeah right
0: yeah you know so when it when it came to my understanding of myself and you know I think I remember having urges and attractions in third grade there was you know a classmate eddie that i thought was very very cute and that i knew i was attracted but didn't know what to do with that so you know i stuffed that down and you know stuffed it down with shame and my sense of being ashamed and I was always worried that it was gonna pop out. I remember one, one specific thing when I was a kid, and you know, I always enjoyed being in the kitchen, I enjoyed being with my mom and my grandmother, and you know, cooking, and you know, I kind of wanted to be with the women. You know, they to me they were having a lot more fun than you know, trying to work on the car, or mow the grass, or <laughs> whatever. whatever whatever was going on and you know i i was so excited i figured out how to um i made a diaper for my winnie the pooh bear that was my little you know attached stuffed animal (laughs) stuffed animal that was my baby so i put a diaper on my baby and i they took the bear my parents took the bear from me and said that that was not appropriate, that that was for girls to do, that little boys did not care for their bears with diapers. And I remember just feeling ashamed and how much I just wanted to be validated for this cool thing that I had figured out. I had figured out how to use diaper pins and you know, a little piece of old fabric or something. And I remember just being ashamed that I had done this and it felt like a, you know, a cool thing for me to know how to do. <laughs> and it was ah. stuffed down with shame. So as, you know, as I grew older yeah. and, you know, I started seeing my friends, oh, yeah. you know, dating and, doing things that I didn't quite understand or um, necessarily want to be a part of that. I, you know, I, yeah, I was realizing my own attractions and I, you know, taking my religion seriously, I went to my priest and I was very nervous. We we lived about, I don't know, maybe a quarter of a mile, maybe a half a mile from our church in our military community. My dad was in the Air Force, so I was always going to the church. I was in the choir, and um, I just really liked being there. It was a cool space, and I really liked this priest. And I worked myself up to walking down there one day in the middle of the day where I didn't think anybody else would be there and I could go in and talk to father and I did and I was very very I remember being very very nervous and he you know said come in and sit down and um, I did you know sat down in his office and he said what can I help you with and I just blurted out and I said I think I might be a homosexual. And he really didn't even pause. And he said, well, I'll tell you now that there's not enough Hail Marys to keep you out of hell. And I remember that feeling of like being just kicked in the gut of, oh shit, I'm screwed, I'm completely screwed. And I said, I haven't acted on it. And he said, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. And I left again ashamed and I was petrified that he was going to tell my parents Luckily, my parents, you know, had a relationship with church where we would go and then they would dart out before, (laughs) before there was any fellowship of any kind, (laughs) they were ready to be in the car and be gone. So there was little chance um, in reality that he was going to say anything to them, but I was nervous. So I lived with that for some time and. took me away from that Catholic religion and Catholic practice, because I, I remember thinking, how do I fix this? What do I do? How do I, how do I make this right? And the revelation for me was in realizing that that God, that I was never going to be good enough for that God and that community. I was always going to be less than. So I abandoned it, abandoned it. And, you know, for me, there was a lot of anger. There was a lot of resentment for that being the case.
1: What were you, so you're angry at the, just, by your own existence that you were doomed. Yeah. And that
0: that was, that was the case. That was, you know, there's no, there's no fixing it. There's no, because I didn't, I didn't understand how I could or would fix me to not feel the way I was feeling. And I struggled with understanding how, how I could feel like I was doing what was right and kind and loving. But that in that I was deemed as a sinner, even though I had not acted on any of the impulses or urges at that point. um, I just feel like it's a, you know, it's a tricky business and it, the system felt rigged. So I certainly, you know, I, I went the other direction. And it took me years to talk about that. Um, I would say even my family, my sister knows this story, but I don't know that I've ever even shared with my siblings or my parents that story. And as a 16-year-old kid... I can understand how devastating that could have been. I, you know, I understand the depression and the anxiety that comes from not feeling like you belong and not feeling connected, feeling less than, and living in shame.
1: That, I mean, that's sure, I mean, that had to have affected your life for quite some time, right? I mean, you, you embraced. Decades. <laughs> yeah.
0: Decades.
1: You, you, uh, you sort of gave it, at some point, and this is, this is my observation, at some point, although you held on to some of the depression that goes with it, and, maybe bobbled it up a bit because of course you're 16 and 16 year olds aren't well equipped to deal with much. Right. But you went the other way, man. Like you embraced gay life and loud and proud. Well, at some point, right?
0: Well, uh, I think, you know, to be perfectly honest, I, you know, I embraced the urges (laughs) You know, my day sure. my twenties were um, active. <laughs> I didn't I, I didn't waste good. the pretty. <laughs> that's, good. that's what we say. I, we don't we did, don't don't waste, the, waste pretty. the pretty. So um, I will say that you know that my there was you know, that wasn't all good times because we're talking about the nineties. And right. although there were spots I could go, I, there were bars I could go to. I I became a drag queen. <laughs> I really, I, I enjoyed being inside that community. But yeah. I was ashamed and scared outside of it. So right. you know, to go outside of the city a little bit to, you know, my, my grandmother's home, you know, it was in a rural area and I was certainly not going to um, wear a rainbow flag, (laughs) you know, that was not going to happen. I remember having um, a, a bumper sticker at one point that was a, the upside down pink triangle which is you know a, I, remember I remember that I remember that was, it was you know it was a symbol from that was left over from the concentration camps so you know not only jews were persecuted but you know the the gays were put in and that was the symbol that they wore to indicate what they're, you know. That's right.
1: What they're. You know, that's a, that's an interesting way to look at it. You know, you, you, in dealing, of course, with your own identity and your sexuality and your, your, thanks to all the folks around you, your un, un-normalness. You know, you felt you felt ostracized and scared and left out and betrayed and it's all because the stinkers in your religion in your church just said you're not a member of our club anymore or you are, but you're going straight to hell, so your value is zero to us. Yeah. You know, I mean, why it, it points out the hypocrisy of what can be the hypocrisy of organized religion right the you know everybody pictures jesus as the guy walking through the desert with his followers and he's poor and he has no money and he loves everyone and we do boy we (laughs) do not have that they they built they built great works of art and walls and and temples and roofs, and you know, just monoliths that are inhabited by you know, ornately dressed people speaking Latin. And you know, you're either in or you're out. If you're not with us, you're against us. And in what world is that how you're supposed to? treat any person, let alone, let alone, that's not even any person, let alone based on a characteristic that's unchangeable.
0: Well, and, you know, let's talk about the other uncomfortable part that is, you know, the reality in in that time, and I don't, I, I hope it's not the same now, but back then, you know, if there was a clue that you might be of that homosexual persuasion, that you know the cure was that you never act on it and you commit yourself to seminary and become the priest.
1: Isn't that something? Convert. Yeah. It's that's just that's just that's just early days of conversion therapy yeah that's all all stuff it you know let's stuff it somewhere where you're not
0: gonna you know you're not gonna act on it and I get it I understand it I understand you know that was a thought and an option and I considered it um, you know as a uh, you know as a teenager about committing myself and going becoming a priest sort of ironic now because you know now I'm you are yeah but it's not, you know, it's not to suppress my, my sexuality. You know, I'm married. I have a husband.
1: Right. You know, I'm. We do have a, a, a gay pride flag. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's that that is infuriating to me. You know, this idea that, um. Well, clearly. If you dedicate yourself to seminary you can save yourself from Satan you can become a man of God because we all know you're just choosing to be gay well you, right and, you know this, let's this do penance and people...
0: let's do penance and let's do you know some purification purification of thought purification of mind and intention and you know turn you know turn your mind toward God and this will be repaired. And I will say that in my you know, in my understanding and studies of our other religions, there's you know, there's there's still that. There's still a representation of that well, in, in our own practice. That what you- purifying, cleansing, oh, no. like you can get really confused, you know, when we look at the, the deity of Vajrasattva, which is you know, about purification, you can really get lost in the idea that you have something to cleanse and that it's, you know, your misdeeds or your naughty thoughts or Mm -hmm. that you watched, you know, porn every day for, you know, years while you were in college or (laughs) that you, you know, whatever. That's not it. That's not what we're purifying to. And really the idea is that we're, we're seeing our obstacles, we're seeing our own interactions as construct on top of what is a natural sense of being, a natural awareness, a natural beingness and an interconnectedness. And that's part of where I wanted to go with this conversation today is, you know, in the non duality of Buddhism and specifically Zou that we can often get confused looking for the separateness and understanding the separateness because in you know in reality we feel like we're separate beings we feel like this is my hand this is my head this is my thoughts this is my opinions this is my likes and dislikes and that feels very very separate from those around us it feels very separate from everything else and so we become fixated and focused on my little me and the comfort and discomfort trying to find comfort in the discomfort of my little me and understanding that sort of tricky business of ultimate versus relative thinking in Zou Chen is understanding that one is a particle or an aggregate of the other. So this relative form that I'm in, my human body, my thoughts, my consciousness, all of that resides within this ultimate reality, which is, you know, think about the, the, the contents of the universe, we can't extract ourselves we can't actually be separate from that ultimate beingness of the universe even even when this physical body dies and decays it still doesn't leave the you know the particles the aggregates that make up my relative form don't leave the universe so we're all interconnected through that incandescence of an entity so there's no separateness and so you know my comparison to that was you know when i was thinking about god and specifically god as a person a person who kind of controls everything and that i had to look for approval and acceptance from that we really start to get muddy in the water that now there's a dude somewhere that i can't see or hear or um you know i have to try to contact him through prayer but i don't really feel an answer coming because because why dan because there isn't a dude at the other end of that email address (laughs) Mm-hmm. And it's so, a
1: limited it's a very limited way of thinking So what's the what, what's the connection then what's the parallel you're drawing with your experience with the priest and and because I, w- the, I, I believe
0: that what I was what I was trying to do was validate within that construct, that I was okay. And I, okay. I know, you know, even with my relationship with my parents, that I have been looking for validation that I'm okay, and that I'm palatable, that I'm lovable, that I'm accepted, that I'm a part of this bigger thing that I'm enough so I was looking to that person who represented the bigger dude in the sky to say yeah it's okay I understand what you're going through and here's some ways that you might want to support you know your journey
1: there's a that's a really good illustration there's a much bigger point to be made and and this is a this is an incredible source of suffering for me for many trying to fit in to somebody else's construct it can be maddening it can be impossible and it can cause no end of grief and when you think about it, just like you said, you you wanted to fit in with your priest construct, the church's construct. You still, at the ripe old age of twenty nine, like you are now, tried to shipping and handling. Yes. Yep. Plus shipping and handling. Try try to fit into the construct of what your parents' construct is of a son. We no, do it still. <laughs> yeah. Right. Still. We 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 do it when we get a job. All of a sudden, we have to fit into the construct of our cubicle, our manager, our whatever it is. You you do it with your friends. My friends from high school. Here's here's a wonderful example for me. You know, I've I've got a handful of friends. These are good, solid citizen guys, good people, and uh, trustworthy. Half of them are Eagle Scouts like me. Like it, you know, they're just good folks. Not, that, but they're good folks, good guys. Trust them with anything. But man, if they don't like to do the same stuff we did in high school, you know, and that's their construct. And I don't find any more uh, regular happiness in that. I enjoy from time to time spending time in that construct. Uh, Because I enjoy my friends, I enjoy catching up, I enjoy being connected uh, socially, uh, but the construct is not for me. And I'll tell you, folks, this is when you can really find a a sense of okayness. As soon as you feel, understand, believe that you don't need to be in the construct – that you can just be you. It, it, it's it's empowering. It's uh, it's it's kind. It's compassionate to yourself. Let's also throw a little Buddhism in there. That is an awakening. When you accept yourself, when you recognize yourself for the reality of who you are this is the reality of who you are reality is very important right you need to see right. things as they are that includes you uh this this is this is um you know i, I haven't had an experience uh like that with my sexuality or my identity I don't mean to characterize it in any way. Um, I've had it in, in definitely smaller ways and smaller constructs along the way. Uh, Things that don't get me discriminated against, not nearly it to any degree. Um, So I can understand it, the concept, not the, not the severity. Right. uh, At all. But folks that, that is this, this is, um, this is important. Uh, this is important stuff. This is, it's a good time. This is a good practice. Uh, this is a good practice for, for people to, uh, meditate. When you're meditating, use some intent. Uh, any of these things that, that, you know, you're having a hard time with your boss, you're having a hard time with your significant other, you're struggling with how to train your dog. It doesn't matter what it is, but think of what it is that you're not fitting into. And see how that fits in with who you really are. And the, you
0: know, the, the old saying that the truth will set you free is really, you know, it's, it's really a good reminder to see what you're actually doing. You know, I was, you know, in thinking back to my, you know, we were talking about my twenties and, you know, I was, you know, a little bit slutty and, Um, You know, Mm -hmm. I was, I was looking for validation there. Um, I was, you know, I I decided I was going to be a drag queen and I was, you know, I was pretty good at it. You know, I enjoyed it. It also allowed me the, uh, the experience of sort of wearing a mask, you know, I could be a completely different person and, you know, my drag persona could be, you know, loud and, um, snarky, which was part of that, you know, part of that culture was just a snarky culture. I, I find a lot of that stuff offensive now, but um, you know, I certainly tried to fit in. I also, you know, I didn't fit in, in, you know, some, you know, some other ways, you know, that I won't go into, (laughs) (laughs) you know, uh, you know, within that culture, I just, you know, I felt like there was a, you know, an underlying, addiction uh, that was going on that I didn't really partake in and um, was it only my thing but you know when I think about all of the iterations along my path of where I tried to fit in and where the right you know where the right drag where the right outfit you know whether it was you know, work-related or relationship-related or trying to be the part, Do you know, act the part, dress the part, that there was always a separateness. There's something settled now that I can, you know, slip into the ease of being. And understanding that, although I still have, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to brush my hair before I leave and maybe put a little product in it. And I'm going to make sure that I look, you know, presentable before I go to the grocery store. I, you know, I do, I do care that I have, you know, a clean and, you know, proper appearance. That's important to me, but I understand why I'm doing it. And it's for me and not for everyone else. So, you know, for me, I think the real big revelation has been in understanding my place as an aggregate of the bigger ultimate reality. That's been really incredible for me because there's no way that I can not be part. There's no way that any of us are taken out of or rejected from this ultimate reality. So there's an interconnectedness that is pervasive. It's, it's not an option. So even though we can feel very separate and you know in this climate of divisive thinking that we feel very separate and there's those against those and those people who are unsafe and me who's hiding in my house trying to be safe and healthy and it feels very separate and feels very parted but when we think about the ultimate reality, there's only inclusion. The only option is inclusion. And that for me has given me a, a semblance of, of ease in my being, where I'm not constantly looking to be validated. I got the golden ticket. I'm I'm in. I'm already in,
1: and I can't leave. <laughs> so you win, and you keep winning. Yeah, you. Of course, the, the the idea here is that you always were that. You um, you distracted yourself. You suffered. You hit obstacles. You just didn't know. Some of that is ignorance. Some of that is. Uh, you know, it, it's all right to get lost. Like, it, it's part of the that's journey. Part, that's part of this too. Right. You know, I I think about. I always think about, um, you know, hiking uh, from time to time when I've been in better shape. You know, I'll go hiking and not not ten day backpacking trips, but maybe something a one or two night overnight thing in a mountain somewhere. Right. And. You know, you'll spend a day or two going up switchbacks, and, like, the mountain is, like, right in your face, and you pay attention to the dirt in front of you, and it's a, it's a small thing. You're really just, like, trudging. I'm going to trudge and work and trudge and work. You finally turn that corner, you take the last step, you get on top of the peak, and all of a sudden, you can see what feels like the entire universe. Mm-hmm. You know, you you see the the you see all sides of the mountain. You see snow-capped peaks in the distance, and the sun, and you're even with clouds. You know, sometimes, and and you can see where the tree line starts and ends. And it's really, you know, that we gotta we gotta muddle through this stuff, folks. No mud, no lotus. Like we have to. We are in the mud. We're all in the mud. Right. Trud- trudge trudge through the mud or, um, or lay laying it
0: <laughs> lay in the lay in the cool sure. mud you know the the lotus is not trudging you oh, know the true. lotus the lotus is sitting in the mud day in and day out and that
1: is the right conditions for it to bloom well right the flowers obviously don't really walk. Now somebody'll come up with something and be like, "Oh no, but this flower from here walks around actually." But no, it, they don't. They obviously lotus lotus flowers do not walk, but they do start underneath the mud and they do have a journey and they grow up through it. And but the I think you know the the pith right here, and I just want
0: to point out the pith is. You know, this journey that we talk about is not running. It's not running from, but the journey is the same as the destination. So I'm already here. I'm already here. The journey is realizing where I am. So my feet are in the mud and understanding my response to being in the mud is the jewel. It's not running from or trying to change. It's not trying to transform. It's really just clarifying your own reactions, your own consciousness of what's happening. And part of it, really a big part of it, is understanding that the intellect causes us so much of our own suffering so we cons- you know we have all these constructs built around our own system of logic that is not the basis of our natural state those are all constructs on top of the experience of actually just being a part of this
1: vast luminous, ultimate reality. Your mind is your own worst enemy. Yet it's the only way. It's the only
0: way that we're going to experience. So trying to change that is unrealistic. It's, you know, like going back to the Lotus, you know, the Lotus is not going to try to change its roots into you know, ATV tires so it can plow out of there. (laughs) But we try to do that. You know, our, our system of logic starts taking over and our ego says, Oh, I hate these conditions. I hate these muddy conditions. So I'm going to change. I'm going to leave this. I'm going to leave it behind. And so this duality thing, like, in, you know, in my Catholic upbringing, you know, there was the concept of God, the higher power. And not that I leave in a higher power. I just don't I don't buy on that it's a dude in a cloud with, you know, ultimate judgment that is criticizing or telling me that I'm not enough. That is to me, unrealistic and, and not real and admitting that has (laughs) that, that was a lot of my, um, my dismantling of my, uh, religious ideals, um, and, and really just understanding that this is all about my experience trying to do something that is not within my experience is not practical. So understanding that in you know in a Buddhist fully, in a Buddhist um, practice that we're all on that peak of that mountain and with the pure vision to be able to see distance, and see the terrain below as well as the mud beneath our feet. This is really important to understand and, you know, get out of our small thinking and our small experience. When we get stressed, when I get stressed, I am so focused on, you know, the, the inches around me and where I am that I can't see further than that. I don't see the distance. I don't see the terrain below because I'm so focused on my relative experience and how painful or uncomfortable that is. My practice now, when I get uncomfortable, is to literally look to the sky, look up, look up and think about the vastness of that sky and further beyond, you know, beyond the, you know, the planet and, you know, into the outer universe and have the expanse of that and how small, how small my discomfort is within that.
1: You know, is your discomfort, I mean, I know what you're saying, of course, and understand it but man when you're inside of that discomfort it does not feel small at all right right it's everything everything is that
0: discomfort and painful and we you know we hate our lives we hate what's going on you know it's that dichotomy of like and dislike and we get completely mired down with oh, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this, and I hate hating this, and it goes on and on. That how do you pull yourself out of that? By lifting your gaze. That's been, you know, the, the saving grace for me is to get out of my little self and realize that there's, you know, that I'm just a part of a bigger, bigger thing. Mm-hmm. and that's that can be overwhelming in thought but it's also a relief to me that i'm not screwing it up i can't
1: that's, really screw it up yeah that's a that's a thing that people that's a common argument against buddhism oh you're just a nihilist and nothing matters and blah 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 right. you're all about suffering yeah right yeah. uh you know, but but when you on this concept especially when you when you get it when you really start to understand it, you you understand that's not it doesn't mean nothing matters in that sense, not at all. It it really means everything matters, but yeah. it, but it doesn't. You know, it, it's it, it's a it's a again another, yet another dichotomy sort of, but it, it's this is not nihilistic folk this is not i'm just a little speck on the you know speck no, of dirt on the road somewhere
0: no you're you're included in that vastness yes you're not yeah. separate from that vastness it's not like you're just a an irritating little dust speck right you know that needs to be vacuumed out of the universe like that's not it at all it's that interconnectedness at that inseparableness that is calming for me that i know i can't lose i can't lose my place i'm not going to not earn a spot i'm not looking for validation or approval that
1: i'm allowed to be here yeah my that you're exactly right when i when i really started to understand that it, it, that idea was like a warm blanket for me almost. I mean, it was literally, because the way I process that is, man, we're we're all in this together. We're all the same. We're all together. It's going to be fine. Everything's yeah. okay. And yeah. that's, that's what, that's where I find the real power in that, uh, you know, and we are, and it is. And, Again, that doesn't mean that tragedies don't happen. That doesn't mean that, you know, unfair things don't happen. It doesn't mean that...
0: that no, all of those things are included, included. as it's well. It's all
1: part of it. Right. Yes, it's all part of it. But but in the end, we're still all together. We're still all the same. Right. We're still a part. We're a part. We're part. Right. We are. We are, right? Yes. Yeah.
0: We are all included There's no separateness.
1: Right. Right. That helps you not to belabor the point, but that can really help you with some of these judgments that we have built in. Just like you thinking when you're a kid, I'm not normal. Well, that's a judgment, man. And you wouldn't have never even known to make that up. Somebody taught you that liking to play house is not normal for a boy. Not normal for a boy that's a judgment on what's normal for a boy or a girl right and we don't need that nobody needs that and it feels like as culturally we're finally somewhat starting to get that i don't know but at least some of us are anyway and you know just leave the judgment at home leave it at the door Well, I think, you know, the the idea of gender fluidity,
0: you know, came from somewhere. And it came from, you know, understanding that, you know, there's varying experiences that are going on. You know, I, you know, I like the nurturing part of, you know, the more, of my more feminine side. And I've embraced that. I you know, I incorporate the creative and the nurturing and compassionate side of my being um, as well as the masculine side. So,
1: I, you know, I, I'm probably just a pioneer. <laughs> There's no, no question about it. The groundbreaking stuff
0: here, folks. I probably yeah. introduced it, but, you know, I have, it came from yeah. that, you know, it came from us, you know, having experiences that were, you know, seemed odd, but, you know, I, I embrace those, those people who can, who can now live in that even exploration of not being mired down by the expectation of here's what this looks like. Here's what that looks like. And you need to
1: conform. Well, we've got proof that we have made some progress. RuPaul has a, like a hit TV show. So when we were, when we were kids, that would not have happened, not in a million years. And of course it's 30 years and it has happened. So it's pretty cool actually. So here's my fun. Have I told you my fun RuPaul story?
0: So when I I was, when I was a drag queen, when I was call it 25 years old um, and RuPaul came out with, you know, his first song and was touring. Um, He was in Kansas city and we shared, well, it was, you know, the dressing room was always just sort of backstage and everybody's dressing room. There was no separateness. Um, And RuPaul's station, makeup station was right next to mine. So we literally did a show together. I did some poor, poor, (laughs) <laughs> poor attempts and then he came out and did you know his set and I was so enamored by RuPaul and what a you know what a tall creature for one <laughs> and I, I yeah <laughs> he um, he stood up and had his you know had his hair on and you know these big platform heels that I don't think normal people could ever walk in and I said, "Girl, how tall are you?" And his response was, "Honey, with hair, heels, and attitude, I am through the roof."
1: <laughs> <laughs> I will never ever forget that experience. You know what? Through the roof. There you go, folks. That's your that's your mantra for this week. Take that, take that story with you and be grow through your constructs just shoot right through them that's from the reverend rupaul absolutely (laughs) absolutely beautiful
0: that's beautiful so you know this this podcast is not about my coming out story or you know the you know, the trials and tribulations of, you know, my sexuality, but, you know, really meant more to be the display of how duality can get in our way. Our understanding of our own place is so, so important. Duality can be tricky to understand, In the religious sense, this can be the dualistic idea that there is a person outside of ourselves that is the ultimate knower. In the Buddhist sensibility, our relative being is simply an aggregate part within the ultimate incandescence of the universe. There's no way to be apart from that interconnected unity. No separateness only inclusion. Dan, thanks for, you know, having this important conversation today. And thanks to all our listeners for supporting us and listening. And I hope in some way, our message and our, our discussions, our contemplations are of benefit to you as well.
1: I want to in signing off here, I I really do want to thank you Ron for sharing that part of your story. Again, not because it's your coming out story, but because it's intensely personal and story you know, a story that the people you've been most close to in some ways don't, don't even know. Uh, I, I, too, hope that folks can folks can see that as, you know, this is real life and this is suffering and this is what it means in a Buddhist context. You know, how do you, uh, what's the lesson, what's the teaching, what's the experience? So, I genuinely appreciate you uh, telling us this today and... In my usual fashion, folks, see you next time and meditate as fast as you can. Bye now.